Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at a parable that is commonly referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. We're going to see how that's not exactly what's going on, but follow along with me in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. The Bible says, and he, he said, Talking about Jesus. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. Say two sons. I want to talk to you this morning from a sermon titled, Our Father is Faithful. Pray with me. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for your goodness. God, we need you. Thank you for the revelation of that fact. Help us to feel it and know it and understand it in the depth of our being, that we need our Father involved in our life every second of every day. Thank you for this time to look to your word, God. I pray that you'd anoint me to say things that would honor you and be our teacher now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our Father is faithful. I'm going to jump ahead because some of y'all got a sleepy spirit on you. I want to tell you that you got to get this if you don't get anything. If you claim to be a Christian... If you have repented of your sins and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, trusting him to get you into heaven, that makes God your father. The scripture says that we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Everybody on the planet is not a child of God. We're children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. If you have faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you're a child of God. That is what makes us brothers and sisters. That's how me and Brother David can stand on a sidewalk and tell somebody, that's my brother. We look a little different. My hair's heading in his direction. Uh, my melanin never going to catch up to his, but his father, his heavenly father, and my heavenly father are the same. And I want Christians in this church, in this community, and around the world to realize that when family comes together, listen, if you're the dude that goes to a family reunion and upsets the whole table talking about politics, you need to check yourself at the door. If you're the kind of person that goes to a family reunion and starts arguing about stuff that you know is going to hurt feelings of the other people sitting at the table, then you're not valuing your brothers and sisters. I want Christians in this church to realize because we're brothers and sisters, we can't let politics and race and petty issues this country's going through divide us. They can fight out there, but, you know, real brothers don't let nobody mess with their brother. Amen? And definitely not with their sister. So we, we need to understand that because we're a family, we have a father. See, the best families have a father. And our heavenly father is the greatest father in the whole world. And I want you to give God a happy Father's Day 
praise clap offering to him this morning. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. Our Father is worthy. Our Father is better. Our Father is bigger. Our Father is greater. Our Father is real. Our Father loves us. Our Father cares about us. Our Father stays with us. He provides for us. He protects us. He never leaves us. He don't kick us out. He lets us come back in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got a faithful father. I love to see little children who have not lost that look in their eye when daddy is with them. You know little kids. You ought to know. You ought to understand how you were, especially if you're a dude. I don't know how girls are. I've never been one. Don't plan on being one. Bruce ain't never been a girl either. Oh, let me just side note real quick. Y'all know I'm going to do it anyway. If I was a woman, I'd be filing a lawsuit against Time Magazine or whoever named Bruce Jenner the woman of the year. Every female in this room is a better woman than Bruce Jenner will ever be. Woman of the year? Man, I, I could go up Charbeth and find a, a, a crack addict sleeping on the street that's more of a woman than Bruce Jenner. Woman of the year. I lost my place thinking about that. <laughs> but when we were little, especially as, as, as guys, we'd be out playing, and then something would happen. Fathers, brothers would come up, and, and little boys always think this. My dad... Is better than your dad. My dad beats your dad up. My, hey, your dad could be broke, li- living in a tent uh, under an overpass, and that little kid still look up at his dad and say, my dad got more money than your dad got. We need to understand that in comparison, when kids grow up, they start thinking, dad a little fat. They start thinking, I think I could take him. Now, not abundant life. We're not raising men like that. Can yours take you yet? Can yours take you yet? No, and neither, neither can mine. Trust that. Wrestle for Oak Leaf all you want to. I'll twist your neck off. But when kids are little, they look at their dad and they think, he's Superman. But as they grow up and they start to feel themselves, they start to get wrong in their mind. They start thinking ill thoughts. They start to reduce their father to just a man. You ought to never look at your father as just a man. He is a special man. He is a man that you wouldn't exist without. And we need to have that little child look up to our heavenly father. You may be 20, 40, 80, 112. It would be cool if you were. We have we had newspapers. If you was 117, we'd really have something to talk about. But no matter how old you get, compared to an eternal God, we're just the little children. So why have we lost that fascination with our Father? See, that's the cool thing about getting saved. That's why so many people tell me, Pastor Scott, I just wish I could get that feeling back when I first became a Christian. You were amazed by your Father. You were looking up, wow, this is my Father and He loves me. I want to tell you today, fall in love with God. Realize how great 
your heavenly father is. It doesn't matter what struggle you're going through. I mean, I know it matters to you right now, but the Bible says these things are temporary. If you really are saved, you got a father in heaven that has a place for you in his house, and you're going to get to live there for all eternity. Anybody happy about that? This story that we're going to look at today is one of my favorite parables in the New Testament. And so many times people get parables wrong, and I've tried to teach you guys how to understand the Bible. A parable uh, comes from the Greek word parabole, which means to lay two things alongside each other. It's to look at one thing to understand another thing. It goes along with Jesus' teaching style of first natural, then spiritual. He talked to farmers in farming terms to get them to understand spiritual truth. The problem most people get into when they're trying to look at a parable is they try to assign too much value in too many places. Because in this story, you've got a father, you got two sons, and you got a dude that's out there dragging one of them down. Okay, so how many people is that? Y'all see this? Every three-year-old knows what that is. Four different people, but it's not, people get messed up. They try to assign, okay, well, the dad means this, the older son means that, the younger son means this, the dude out there means that, the pigs mean this, feeding, how many points, okay, Abundant Life Bible Scholars, how many points are most parables trying to make? Just one. Most parables are only trying to make one major point. You need to get the big takeaway. Say big. You need to get the big takeaway when you look at a parable. Some have more than one point, but for the most part, God is looking for us to get a big takeaway. So let's look at this story Jesus taught in Luke 15. Verse 11, it says, and he had two sons. He had what? Two sons. Now, a, a lot of people debate whether or not this is a story of a lost person coming to salvation or a person who is backslidden coming back to their father. I don't understand how people get messed up on this. If you start in the beginning, you can get right. See, it's hard to start wrong and finish right. That's why some of y'all's marriages are messed up. Check, one, two. That, that's why some of y'all's children are messed up. That's why some of us have so many issues and, and struggles. It, it's, hard to, it's hard to finish right if you start wrong. Even in theology, if you start right, you'll see the man had two what? Sons. This is not some story of, of somebody that didn't know God getting saved. This man had two sons. We got to let the Bible speak for itself. In verse 12, it says, And the younger of them said to his father, Give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided unto him his living. All right, you got a younger son. So if you got a young, if you got two sons and one's younger, the other one's what? All right, somebody's still awake. You got the younger son, you got the older son. And the younger son says, let me have my stuff. That's messing up already. My, my children have an inheritance laid up for them. They've never asked me for it, and if they asked me for it, they wouldn't get it, okay? God uses this story not to show fathers what to do with their money. There's a different point to that. Listen, if your son comes to me and says, hey, Dad, how much are you going to leave me when you die? And you tell him, he's like, give it to me now, beat him and send him to his room. This kid comes to his dad and says, hey, look, 
I want you to give me everything I have coming to me. The dad's going to teach him a lesson. So he goes ahead and does it, and we'll see how that works out. But as Christians, okay, if we're looking at this story, and Jesus talking about a father and sons, guess who to us the father is? Guess who the sons represent? All right, so we got a story about God the Father and us as his children. And as sons of God, we already have an inheritance. We have an inheritance now, and we have an inheritance that's coming. The Bible says that when you get saved, the Spirit of God comes to live inside you. And one passage of Scripture calls that our down payment of the covenant. Uh, in the King James, it calls it the earnest if you talk to an old realtor and you start talking to him about buying a piece of property, he'll say, I'm going to need some earnest money. Earnest money is that pledge that you give that says, I'm sure enough going to complete this transaction. God has already given us the earnest of our inheritance. He's already given us the down payment by giving us his spirit to live inside us. But we got a lot more stuff coming. The Bible says that we are heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. Everything that God the Father has is coming to us. But it's not all here right now. You may be praying for healing, and healing may come now, or healing may come later. You may be paying for financial deliverance that may come now, or that may come later. Listen, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be worried about JEA. Ford Credit, GMAC, or nobody else. We've got a better life coming. And when you get bogged down with this life, instead of asking God to give you everything out of your way, just realize soon and very soon we're going to see the king. Just realize that one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. Just realize that one day all these troubles are going to be behind us because we're going to get up out of here on great getting up Sunday morning. One day we're going to be in heaven with God. This kid couldn't wait. He said, give me everything I have coming to me. And many of us are just like the younger son. We take God's blessings, and then we go off on a journey. Look at verse 13. It says, not many days after the younger son gathered all together, he took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So he gets his stuff, and then he gathers all together. He gathered how much? All he wasn't coming back. This kid took everything his dad had to give, and he was not coming back. If you look at the verb tense of this phrase in the original language, it is a definitive statement of leaving. Y'all, uh, me and my sister left one time. We left. We grew up in an abusive home. Stepfather that was crazy. He beat me half to death. Left me unconscious. We packed our little backpack. And we took off. And when we left, we were not coming back. I had my Boy Scout backpack. I had my multi-tool knife. We had a little bit of food in the backpack. And we hit the woods. 12, 13 years old. Leaving. Not coming back. Till the sun went down. <laughs> it got dark. Woods make noise at night. You know, I thought... There might be sharks in these woods. I don't know. Twelve years old. There, there, there might be gorillas and bears and lions and tigers. And, and so we was going forever till it got dark. This dude was not as smart as we were, 
Because we realize we go home now, we're going to get beat. But we ain't going to be in these woods with these gorillas and lions. He took everything and he wasn't coming back. And he went into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. If you ever wonder why it's called the prodigal son, the, the word prodigal means excessive, wasteful spending. Some of y'all need to quit being prodigal. So the word prodigal means just throwing money around, buying stuff extravagantly that you don't need. And this is what he did. He took his inheritance, and he just threw it out there. He ran away, threw it out there, went on a journey, and blew his inheritance. The bad part wasn't just that he showed disrespect by asking for it. The real problem this dude had was he left his father. Just because you got a couple dollars in your pocket, just because you're making your own way, just because you don't have to need daddy's money to put a roof over your head anymore, don't ever separate yourself from your father. Naturally or spiritually. This is the problem so many Christians go through. Everybody, not everybody, but many people run to God when they're broke. Get involved in finance ministry. Find out how many people come asking for help when they're broke. Come begging God to bless them. And then the God begins to bless them. And they give testimony about how great God is. And, Pastor, I came back to the Lord, and God got me a car. God got me a house. God got me moving in the right direction. And then three months later, can't find them anywhere. Why? Because they took their blessing and they got big pants. They, they got full of themselves. And they forgot that they need the Lord. Don't ever forget that you need the Lord. Don't let the fact that you're doing okay. I wish people would continue to serve God in their blessing the way they served God when they were broke. I wish people would continue to realize how much they need God even when they don't think they need God. This younger son took a journey, but not just a journey. He took a journey into a far country. He left, and he got as far away as he could. Some of y'all even in this room have done that. You're here. Physically, you're here, but your heart has ventured out into the wrong place. Your mind is already gone. So, see, you, no, nobody that loves the Lord is just in church one day and then full off backslid deep off in it the next day that's a process your mind starts drifting thinking maybe i'll just go back a little bit same thing the children of god did in the bible god delivered them from slavery god delivered them from the oppressive egyptians he took them out into a promised land but some of them got to thinking it's kind of all right in egypt i missed the food over there and then women <laughs> And people started thinking they'd go back. Listen, what God has delivered you from is not worth going back to. You didn't like it when you was in the middle of it, and you sure don't need to go back to it. You realized it was bad for you when it was putting you in trouble. You do not need to go back to what God has already delivered you from. When God delivers you from something, you need to let that go and be done with it. Stop hiding stuff for your encased situation God delivered me from alcohol my sister and I were stone cold out of our mind liquor ain't hard enough for us moonshine alcoholics 
whole grain white lightning in gallon jugs in the trunk. Drink it while it's hot because you get drunk faster. When God saved me, I opened up my trunk on Lambing. You know where Lambing Street is, Big Jimmy. I opened up my trunk and I poured all that liquor out in a ditch. That's what you need to do. Some people, they go home and they got a nice little wet bar they got you know or they just got it up in the closet behind the cups they, they got you know their bottles of alcohol god saved you got you cleaned up and undrunk but you keeping a little on the side well you know just in case i need a touch if you need a touch you need a touch from god i was talking to somebody the other day and listen i am not bent against anyone's sin i'm just not to me, you, you being a drunk, no different than somebody else who don't read their Bible. God commanded us to read the Word. God commanded us not to be drunk. A, a person who stays drunk, no worse than a person who don't read their Bible. A person who smokes cigarettes, no worse than somebody who gossips. A person who whoremongering around, no worse than somebody who's lying, okay? So I ain't bent on any one sin. A person who's homosexual, ain't no worse than somebody who don't pray all the time because God said to pray all the time. Sin is sin. I'm not bent on one. I use these things as an example. I was talking to somebody uh, who, who was telling me that God had delivered them from smoking, and she was sitting there with an open purse and a pack of cigarettes in her purse. And showed them, God delivered me from these and put them back in her purse. So I said, well, you want to throw those away? Oh, no, I keep, I keep them just in case. Yeah, I might get stressed out. If God delivered you from something, when you get stressed out, lean on the Lord. Don't go back to what he delivered you from. We got, we got to stop making the mistakes that the Bible, the Bible says we have these stories for our example. This dude takes all the blessings of God and then he leaves. You've seen that. I hear pastors say, if all the people that ever came to our church before showed up, we wouldn't have a place to put them. That's every church in the world. You, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know people that used to serve God, used to preach, used to teach, used to pastor. I was sharing with somebody yesterday, Mr. C, at, at your party, uh, about how many pastors leave the ministry every month. 1,500 a month. Just walk out and never preach again. Just leave and, and be done with it. Can't take it anymore. Or got caught doing what they shouldn't have been doing. People that used to serve God, you've seen them. You couldn't, the IRS couldn't find them right now. And IRS took Capone down. FBI couldn't find him. Listen, don't be that Christian who used to be in church. Don't be that Christian who used to give testimony. I see these people on Facebook. I just want, mm, let's grab them one good. Mm. Got all these praises to God on their, on their feed a month ago, but got all this twerking and drinking and getting turned up on their feed this week. Erase one of those. Get rid of one of those. Don't have God videos on your social media and garbage on your social media too. Either erase God out of your life or erase foolishness out of your life because your testimony is tainted. You're making God look bad. You're making Christianity look bad. Don't be going, listen, we're all going to backslide. Even you, Pastor? Yeah, everybody. We're all sinners. The Bible says all sin falls short of the glory of God. But when you get on social media and you just go off, 
Erase that as soon as you, listen, find somebody in your life. Well, I thank God for my sister. I'll say, Pastor, you talk about your sister a lot. She does a lot for me. Uh, I thank God for my sister. She's also our church administrator. I get heated either at, at working at home or in my office here, and I would just, and then God will touch me in my mind. And I say, I don't know if I want to send that. So I'll call Dean up. I'll say, listen, so-and-so did so-and-so. They said such-and-such. And I got this response to him. It's right on the money. It's scriptural, but let me read it to you. See how, you come, see how it comes out to you. And I already know if I've gotten that far, it ain't worth pressing the send button, okay? But she always says, no, Pastor, I, I, I wouldn't send that. Just talk to God about it. You need to stay close to God. You need to value your testimony. You don't need to journey out into a far country and waste everything that God has given you because traveling away from the Father always ends up bad. The Bible says this man wasted his substance with riotous living. I've heard a lot of preachers and uh, commentators write commentaries saying that he went out and got hookers and parties and stuff. I don't see that in the text, but he, he probably did. I mean, what kind of man going to get a bunch of money and waste it without going to a strip club? What kind of man going to get a bunch of money and waste it real quick without getting drunk? What kind of man going to get a bunch of money, waste it real quick, having riot, you know, riotous living? You know that involves getting turned up, fighting, brawling, getting, doing all kinds of stuff. This dude went from being a good kid to off the chain. Don't think it can't be you. Don't think it can't be you. Of the 12 disciples, Peter was the front man. Peter was up front. Peter was the one who was always there. But he was also the one who turned on Jesus the hardest. Don't think just because you can quote 20 verses of Scripture and that you led a couple people to Christ that you can't get out there in the street and go right back to where you came from. When Jesus died and rose from the dead, it wasn't working out for Peter. He humiliated himself, blew his testimony, cussed out a bunch of people, cursed this little girl, told him, I don't know that man. And then Peter said, because of his shame, he said, I'm going fishing. That word going in the original language is just like the word gathering and leaving in this language. He said, when he said, I'm going fishing, he didn't mean, I, like Brother David says, I'm going fishing tomorrow. He just means I'm going fishing tomorrow, then I'm coming back home. When Peter said, I go a fishing, he was going back to his old way. He was fishing before Jesus met him, and he said, I'm going back to that because this church thing ain't worked out for me. He put his money on Jesus. He put his trust on Jesus. It didn't work out for him. He was bent up in shame and humiliation, and he said, forget it. I'm just going back to what I used to do. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything, hear this. Every Christian in the world is capable, fully capable, of going back to what they did before Jesus, and that's why you better stay close to the Father because he will jerk a knot in your behind. I thank God for a short leash. You better pray God keep you on a short leash because if you get too far away from him before he pulls you in, you're going to suffer some issues. Oh, it always turns out wrong. The first thing I want you to understand this morning, when you journey from the Father, your time and your treasure will be wasted. Your time and your treasure will be wasted. Some of y'all are on the verge right now, or you've already done it before and you're trying to come back, or you've done it and come back and done it and come back and done it and come back. So you understand that when you go away from God, that's just a waste of your time. 
God was trying to build something in you. God was trying to create something in you. God was trying to manifest something in you. And when you walk away from that, you wasted all that time that God was pouring into you. You wasted all that treasure that God was pouring into you. And you end up back to zero. That's why some people never really enjoy Christ. Some people never really get the fullness of God's joy. No real righteousness, no real peace, no real joy in the Holy Ghost because they start growing as a Christian and then they fall down. Growing as a Christian and then they fall down. Growing out, and they never get past level one. I want to encourage you, stay close to the Father. He still has things to teach you. Don't waste your time and your treasure by being one of those that drift. Some of y'all used to be closer to God than you are right now. You, you took your journey. You're wasting what God has given you with the wrong kind of living. And I want to tell you something. God wants you to come back. God will always say, come back home. God will always keep a light on for you. That dude, Red Roof Inn, they might keep a light on for others, but God will keep a light on for you. Listen to what the Word says in verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Imagine that. He came out rich, balling, stacked. He was like John Cena. My money stacked fat and I can't turn the swell off. He was out there living big. But guess what happens to every partier who's living big? They run out of money. See, I lived in that life. Some of y'all lived in that life too. You got all those friends while, while you got it. While you're holding, you got friends. But what happens when you're broke? You're standing there by yourself. And this is what happened. He spent everything. And every, the whole land is broke. Everybody around him is broke. And he begins to be in want. He begins to have lack. He's out there broke now. How humiliating. You take everything your father has to give you. You go out in the world, stack. Everybody's looking at you like you're the fattest thing going. Now all of a sudden you're broke. And they leave you. And you've wasted it all. And now you want, now you're hungry and don't have anything. Verse 15 says, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him to his fields to feed the swine. Second thing I want you to understand this morning, when you get away from God, things eventually go from bad to worse. Here's the problem, though. Most people, when they get away from God, they think they're doing okay. They backslide and they're like, Ain't no punishment out here. Ain't no chastisement out here. I'm doing my thing, and I enjoy it. I had somebody tell me in the, in the entryway where you stand there to wait to get seated at Texas Roadhouse. Boy, I said, I ain't been to church in six months, and I've never been happier. Been the best six months of my life. I'm doing what I want to do. And I told him, I've been in church for 35 years, and I'm doing what I want to do. What are you talking about? He is glad, to, but he don't understand. Things are going to go from bad to worse. Keep living. Read, hey, we be smart to learn from others versus learning from ourselves. We got to learn from what the scripture says. It, it, it doesn't always go bad right off the bat, but that's the trap. If it went bad right off the bat, then we would never get far away from God. This, this, this is how adultery starts. This is how affairs start. This is how bad living starts. You go, listen, men, you go out there, you start flirting with that girl, and you think, oh, it's just innocent. It's just banter. We just, we just talking. You know what's in your head. Stop lying to yourself. Ladies, you start looking at these men and start thinking, mm, he's kind of cute, he's kind of nice, I kind of like that. And, and, but, but, you know, we're we just, we just talking. You know what's in your head? 
That's how it starts. And then, it's, then you start enjoying that conversation too much. And it's just a road to destruction. It's just a road leading you. And I'm going to keep telling you all this until you get it in your spirit and you can recite it on command. That sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Sin has a price. Play around with it if you want to, but it's eventually going to go from bad to worse. He's out there. He's, he's, he's doing his thing. He, he gets in trouble. Now, he, now he's broke. You know what he should have done? should have ran straight back to that. He should have done what we did when it got dark outside and we realized this, this, this fudge round ain't going to last long because I'm eating that. Anybody remember fudge round? Ooh, a fudge round and a star crunch to do you right. I got to keep preaching though. I'm hungry. So he, he doesn't see his need till he gets in trouble. And some people are just like that. They just got to learn the hard way until, until you stumble. You, 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 you don't realize you're going down a bad road. Until your tire gets blown out and your rim gets bent, you don't realize you're going down a bad road. Dad, mom, brothers, sisters, everybody already told you, don't go down there doing that, but you got to learn the hard way. Don't be ignorant. Look at somebody and say, don't do it. Don't be ignorant. Don't be the person who has to learn everything the hard way. When you find yourself learning things the hard way, you just need to realize you are immature. You need to grow up. You just ought to write a sign on your forehead, I'm immature. Cross your chest, I need to grow up. Cross your belly, in God. This boy needed to grow up in his father. He, he didn't realize that things were going bad to worse. He doesn't run home. He actually makes the same mistake most people make today. He got the wrong friend. He got the wrong friend. The Bible says he joined himself to a citizen of that country. That country ain't his daddy's country. That country is not his people. That country is them and not us. When you start hanging out with them more than you're hanging out with us, you're in trouble. He got himself a buddy. But if you read the text, what did his buddy have him do? Go slob hogs. His buddy's not Jewish, so slobbing hogs wasn't a big deal to him. But he himself is Jewish, and that's the lowest humiliation for a Jew. They weren't allowed to touch something that a pig had touched. Now this boy is living in a pig pen, slopping hogs. You know, you, you're messing up when you're hanging around with the wrong people. And I want you to consider right now, who you're hanging out with? Just think in your own mind. Do the people that you associate with love your father? Do the people you associate with listen to your father? Do the people you associate with Hang out with your father. Think about it this way. What if your friend, so-and-so, did everything she wanted to do, would she be dragging you down or pulling you up? What if your buddy got a hold of you and he did everything he wanted to do, would he be dragging you down or pulling you up? The devil wants to destroy everything good in your life, and he'll use people to do it. Don't hang around with the wrong people. Don't join yourself to somebody of that country. Listen, even folk that claim to be Christians, the Bible says to not have any fellowship, to withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly. 
Don't hang out with, with people who are, who are slumming. Don't hang out with people who want to drag you down in their foolishness. They get around you cussing and acting up, wanting to drag you into their foolishness. Just let them know, I'm trying to come up. Well, I don't want to lose my friendship. Well, you want to end up in the pig pen? Well, I don't want to offend him. That's my homeboy. No offense. Listen, if that's your friend and you tell him, hey, man, I'm not going to come this weekend. I, you know, I'm trying to get straight. If that's your friend, they're going to be proud of you. They're going to be okay with you. They're going to be like, hey, man, well, I'm going to go ahead and go. Maybe I'll see you next weekend. You need to separate. You don't need to join. He, he made a big mistake. He, he joined in. Verse 15 says he's out there feeding swine. So here he is, the younger brother. Took his stuff and left. Things go from bad to worse. His friend's using him to do the dirty work. That's how it goes, y'all. Some of y'all think y'all out there, that's my homeboy. That's my homegirl. They, they, they got my back. No, they just got you. They got you to take the fall. They got you to do the dirty work. They got you in case it goes bad and, and, and they can dime out you so they can take a deal. They got you to mess around and do what they wanted to do. Don't be the fall guy for nobody. You say, well, they wouldn't do, my, my people wouldn't do me that way. You need to keep living. Keep living. All these people on social media talking about how close they are to their friends and how they'd die for their friends. Then a month later, she's a skank. I thought that was your BFF. I thought that was, don't mess with my friends, I'll kill you. Now, all of a sudden, she's a skank. She was a skank last month, too. You just didn't want to admit it because you were skanking with her. Look at verse 16. He's out there in the pig pen. He said, he fain would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave to him. I told you things go from bad to worse. These Jewish boys out there broke. Man, it's humiliating to have had it and lost it. Well, I ain't telling you what I heard. It's bad to have had it and lost it. He had it. He lost it. Got nothing to show for it. No house. Ain't driving big. Ain't, 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 ain't wearing big. Living in, living in mud with no food. Looking at that pig food thinking, that's starting to look pretty good. Hunger man will eat anything. He starts to realize how bad a shape he's really in. There's nobody to help him now. And that's what happens when you get away from the Father. You realize, I'm out here. And even though you might have people around you, you're really alone. If you don't have the Father close by, if you can't feel the Father no more, if you realize you've drifted far away from him and you've got guilt and shame and stain on you, then you are all alone. Third thing I want you to understand this morning is one day you've got to wake up. One day you have to wake up. Here's the reality. If you're saved and you get out there messing around, the Holy Ghost is going to be convicting you the whole time, and you're going to have this realization. I'm going to have to repent. One, sooner or later, I'm going to have to repent. Sooner or later, I'm going to have to come back to God. Sooner or later, I'm going to have to get out of this mess and get back to right living. Because if you can live in the mud and the mud don't bother you, you ain't never been clean to begin with. Real Christians don't want to stay in the mud forever. Now, I didn't say we wouldn't dip our toe in it. I didn't say we wouldn't take a mud bath in it. I didn't say we wouldn't roll around in it. 
But eventually we're going to get up and get out of it. And you need to get up and get out of your mud. You need to get up and get out of whatever is making you unfit for the father's table. Because every good parent, when a child comes in, realizes you got to wash up before you can come to my table. And some of y'all can't feel the father because you won't keep the dirt off your hands long enough. If you're out there doing dirt, you can't sit at the father's table with dirt on you. But you got to get cleaned up eventually. This boy realized he, 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 had to, he had to wake up. Verse 17 says, and when he came to himself, comma, I'm always going to tell you, pay attention to the punctuation. Read the Bible in phrases so you can digest it and understand it. When he came to himself, comma, that's called some pause. Think about it. When he, when he did what? He came to himself. He came to, old folk would say, he came to his senses. I saw one time on the Waltons. Anybody remember the Waltons? Y'all ain't old enough to remember the Waltons. One time, one of those kids, there were like 52 kids living in a house. One of those kids said something twisted, and the father said, boy, you must have taken temporary leave of your senses. And that's what this kid had done. He took temporary leave of his senses. And that's what we do when we get out in the mud. We took temporary leave of, of good thinking. But he woke up, he came to himself, light came on, and he's like, what in the world? How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare? And I'm out here perishing with hunger. He realized, it's better over there. He realized, I'm out here and it is not as fun as, as it used to be. It's not as fun as I wanted to be. He's, he, he's covered in pig poop, he's hungry, he's broke, and a light bulb comes on. And he says this, I don't have to be here. I don't have to be here. I don't have to be here. He realized he had a bedroom he could be in and not a pig pen. And you need to understand, when you get away from the Father, you don't have to stay there. The devil wants you to think that you're in it now. You may as well stay in it. It's just like you go on a diet. You go on a diet, you go to work. Somebody having a birthday, they bring cake and donuts. You forget you're on a diet, you pop that cake in your mouth. Devil don't want you to be successful. So the first thought he gives you is, well, I done blown it. Let me get that donut too. The devil is into excess, and God is into moderation. The devil wants you to think you got to stay out in that mess. He realized, I, I don't have to be here. I, I, I got something else that I could be doing. And he realized, I'm not going to die away from my daddy. My real question to you today, are you going to stay gone so long? Now, you're here. I get that. And you hear me, but you ain't hearing me. Some of y'all come to church and y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Some of, some of y'all just, just hear the noise, but you don't hear the word of the Lord. Some of y'all can say, I've been in church 40 weeks in a row. But you ain't heard anything. He realized, I am not going to die in this place. I am not going to die shamed away from my father. Whatever I have to do, I'm going to get this thing together. So he knew he had to wake up. He knew he had to get things back together. Look how he decides to get it back together. Verse 18, he said, I will arise and go to my father. Come. Good thinking. But scary. Good thinking, but scary, because, you know, if you've been out there, 
You wasted all that money? Dad heard about how you've been living? A little scary to go back home. You don't know what dad's going to do. Now, you know he loves you, but you don't know how it's going to turn out. But he says, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Oh, so he's got a speech. He got a speech. Every good kid has a speech. You ought to let one of your children get in trouble. Listen to the speech they'll throw at you. But I was, I was, I was, she made, uh, but he did a, had a speech. In his mind, he's working out this speech. He said, this is what I'm going to tell dad. Verse 19, I, I, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. He's thinking, that'll work, that'll work, that'll work. Dad, you got lots of servants. That'll work. He'll let me back in. Uh, I, 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 won't, I, I get to sleep in the bunkhouse, not in the big house, but I won't be in his pig pen. But look at what happens in verse 20. He arose and came to his father, period. Oh, that's a good place to put a period. First thing he did is he arose. Second thing he did, he came to his father, and that's where the period is. That's the whole message right there. You need to get up and go back to God. Get up. And go back to God. This is here for our learning. This story is here for our example. You got dirt on you. You need to get up from where you are. And you need to get back to where God has for you. It's what he did. But when he was yet a great way off. He's coming back. Rehearsing his speech. What did I say I was going to say? What was it? I'm not worthy to be your, your son. But, uh, but just make me a servant. Can I be a big servant? Can I be like sleep in the front of the bunker? But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Pay attention to the punctuation. It'll help you read. Read between the punctuation. Look in the middle of this screen between the punctuation. It says, his father saw him. I want you to understand these four words with me this morning. God sees you. Your father sees you. Your father sees you sees you. God sees you. See, I ain't got no problem with Santa Claus. I don't do Santa Claus in my house. I, I ain't mad at anybody who does Santa Claus. I, I, I don't preach that. I, I have friends that preach every year. If you take the word Santa and you move the in around, you get Satan. I'm like, you're reaching because your name is John Boobashuba, and if you move a couple of initials around in that, you, you're something else. No, I don't have a problem with Santa Claus, but I do have a problem with the song people sing because they stole that from God because God is the only one who sees when you are sleeping and knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake because your father sees you. The Bible says that God is the all-seeing God. He's the all-knowing God. You can't go anywhere and get away from God. You can go to the highest mountain, and God still sees you. You can go to the lowest valley, but God still sees you. You can hide under a bridge, under a rock, or in your homegirl's house, and God still sees you. Here's the twist. Say twist. The father had compassion. It's good news for this way we're drifting, raggedy living, pig stain, smelling like poop. Child, he don't know what the father's going to do, but the father had compassion. The Bible says that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
He's the unchanging God. He's the immutable God. He cannot change. And if the father had compassion on this pig poop smelling boy right here who came back home, then God will have compassion on us when we come back home from our poop. The father saw him. Not only that, he had compassion and ran. Find somewhere else in the Bible where God ran. Find somewhere else in the Bible where God got up and ran. This is telling us that the father saw him and he ran to him and he fell on his neck and kissed him. I've been in situations like this, not with my biological father because he wasn't in my life, but with my spiritual father where I have been out there and I had to come back not knowing how the reception was going to be. But let me tell you something. Our God is a receiving father. He's a compassionate father. If you come to him, he will come to you. Fourth thing I want you to see this morning. When you come to him, he'll come to you. You're out there in the pig pen. Where's God now? What about all that Bible? All that blessing? Where's he at now? Where are all my Christian friends? Don't be looking for Christian friends in your pig pen. Don't be looking for your Christian friends to come get you. No Christian went and got this boy. The father didn't come drag him out of the pig pen. He was just out there. And if you're out there, stop wondering where God is. God's still on the throne. If you're out there, stop wondering. Ain't none of my Christian friends called me. I'm going to keep telling you what I've been saying for this. So 16 years. We turned 16 years old this month as a church. And I told them when we started, that back row got founding members on it. Cindy and Michael, back row Baptist people sitting in the, in the back. Listen, I told them from day one, don't expect me to come looking for you when you're not here. There's nobody in this room that I ever came to your house to say, hey, we missed you Sunday. I never called not one person in this whole church and said, we missed you Sunday. You know what that really means? I was there and you wasn't. Ah, I tell people all the time. People say, I was gone for seven months and he never called me one time. You never called me either, so we even. But I ain't talking about you. I was the best member in that church. And I got my feelings hurt. And he never even came to check on me. Listen, I met you here. You want to find me? I'm, you're the one that left. I'm still here. How you mad at me? Nobody went to get this boy. Nobody. The father didn't send the other brother out and say, go find your son and clean him up. Bring. No. You want to be out there? God will leave you out there. And he ain't sending me and nobody else to come out there and get you. Now you say, what about the 99 and 1? He left the 99 to go after the 1. That sheep was lost. That sheep wasn't out there doing his thing. That sheep was, was innocent and, and, and needed help. That sheep didn't make a decision to go spend all daddy's money like a fool and roll around with hogs. Pastor, you're supposed to leave the 99 and go get the 1. I go get the 1 every day. I was there for 12 years, and he didn't come see me. You wasn't here for 12 years. But when you come to him, he'll come to you. James 4, 8. 
one of the greatest love songs ever. It says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Y'all know about peaches and herbs? I think. Well, darling, if you want me to be closer to you, get what? Darling, if you want me to be closer to you, you got to get closer to me. That's a good lesson for relationships. He never holds my hand. Where's your hand broke? Hold his hand. Well, I tried to hold his hand, and he snatched it away. Or maybe he don't want to hold your hand. Find something else to do. But if you want God... You got to start stepping. You know you need to get closer to God. Stop wondering when he's going to come get you out of your mess. God, nowhere in this Bible does God bless mess. God's not going to change. God's not going to bless your mess. God's not going to come rescue you late in the midnight hour in songs. That ain't going to happen. That ain't in the Bible. You want to be closer to God? Get up and walk to him. But when you do, he is a receiver. This boy comes back home, he's humble, and he's repentant. And those are the two things that are necessary, humility and repentance. That's why some people can't never really get back in the house. That's why some people can't never really get back right with the church, with God, with the pastor, with God's people, because they're not humble, and they're not really repentant. They're just guilty, and they're sad they got caught, and they're broke, and they're looking for a freebie. That is not how it works. In God's kingdom. So you can fool some of the people some of the time. And some of y'all good on your hustle. Some of y'all been hustling for a long time. And you can fool most of the people most of the time. But you can't fool God. You're not going to grease your way past God. I don't care what your speech is. You, you, you might be able to tell, tell a lie to your woman. You know the 14th time you cheated on her. You might be able to smooth that over. But you can't just grease by God. You got to come for real, humble, repentant. That's how this boy does. Look what the father did. He saw him. He had compassion on him. He ran. He fell on his neck. Put that verse back on the screen for me. Verse 20. He ran. He had compassion. He fell on his neck and he kissed him. This is what you have waiting on you if you will come back humbly. If you'll come back truly repentant. Repent means to have a change of mind that results in a change of direction. You're going this way, and you get confronted with the facts, and you realize this is not the way. And you turn around, and you go back the way you're supposed to go. Asking God to forgive you while you already told him, I'm be there at 10. You're asking God to forgive you for what you did last night, but I'll be there at 1130. Why? That's not repentance. This kid comes back for real, and the father falls on his neck and kisses him. How, how do I know that the boy's repentance was for real? Because when the father received him, kissed him, loved on him, told him he's glad you're home, he could have just let it be that. Like, I'm good. Back in the house. But look what he said in verse 21. Now we realize it wasn't just a speech. It was in his heart. He said, Father, I've sinned against heaven 
and in your sight. And I'm not even worthy to be called your son. He didn't have to say that. It was a speech to begin with, but now it's in his heart. He's real. This is real. This is humble. This is, this is true repentance. This is, this is not a speech to get in the door. He was already in the door. This, this is real emotion to his father. He confesses his sin and he humbles himself. Look what the father did in verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. When you come home to God, he'll clean you up and dress you up. He'll put his stamp of approval on your back. He'll let the whole world know, this is my son. He came back. He, he left his mess. He came back. The father received him and made his life better. God is just waiting to put a robe on you. But you got to get out of that pig pen. God is just waiting to put a ring on you. That ring is God's authority. That ring is God's stamp that says this. See, they walk around. The prelate would walk around with the Pharaoh's ring or the king's ring. They put drip hot wax. He put his stamp on it, and the whole world knew. That has the weight of the Pharaoh, the king, the dictator behind it. He said, put my ring on this boy. So everywhere he goes, people knows he's my son. And he's walking in my authority. God wants to put a ring on you. He wants to put authority on you. He wants to put stamp of approval on you. He wants to give you authority. But he won't come and give it to you in the pig pen. He cleans this boy up and he lets the whole world know. That's my son. We're going to clean him up. We ain't going to let people see the stain on him. One of the greatest things about getting saved. I can remember it like it was yesterday. July 15, 1981, I knelt down beside my bed, and I asked God to save me. And I had been in some bad stuff. I still had charges waiting on me in St. John's County. And my life was spiraled out of control. And I prayed and asked God to for real save me. And when God saved me, it felt like the whole weight of the world came off me. It felt like life got better. Because for the first time in my entire life, I didn't feel dirty. For the first time in my whole life, I didn't have the stain of guilt and shame on me. They cleaned this boy up so nobody would say, wasn't he in the pig pen? God ain't trying to hear that. You come back to the Father, he is not trying to. See, these churches are so wrong. I know churches, you backslide, you get deep off into sin. You, you, you used to serve God and have a position. You come back and they're like, well, we're going to sit you aside for 12 months. What? He's probably backslide again in 12 months. You better get something out of him while he's here. God did not sit this boy aside and say, we're going to clean you up gradually. Let's wash one leg. Let you stink like poop while you're here so everybody can know how horrible you are. It's not how God does it. We're supposed to be his children. We're supposed to look like him. Stop criticizing people who came back. Stop judging people who came back. Stop talking about people who ain't fully delivered. Nobody is fully delivered. Nobody but God is perfect. The father didn't judge this boy. He, 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 didn't, he didn't ask him. I, I want to hear it. I want to know. Er, how you spend every dime. Give me a breakdown. I'm going to need a budget. How you spend every dime of my money? Because none of that. Hugged him, loved him, took him back, 
cleaned him up, set him back on the proper place. Look at verse 23. I'm almost done. Hang in there. And bring hither the fatty calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. and He's alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. This one verse right here is where limited thinking preachers will argue with me and say, see, this is a lost person getting saved because it says he was lost. He was lost in his direction. He wasn't unsaved. He'd been a, he started as a son and he finished as a son, okay? Don't, don't get to thinking that. But the father said, look, he was out there. I didn't know where he was. He could have been dead. He, I didn't know where he was. He was lost to me. And they began to have a party. He said, let's throw down, get the best calf, we got the best robe, we're just going to deck it out, and we're going to party big. Why? Hear this if you don't hear anything else at all. Because God loves it when his children come back. God loves it. Last thing I want you to understand, God wants to throw you a party. But I know I need to get right. But what are they going to think about me? Listen, if the father's happy and throwing a party, it don't matter what anybody else thinks about you. I've had people tell me, well, Pastor, I want to come back to abundant life. A lot of people out there, listen, if you don't have haters, you ain't doing anything. Jesus said, don't marvel not if the whole world hates you. Let your haters be your motivators. Don't let them drag you down. But I, I've had haters call me on the phone. I know I left, talked bad about you. Got involved in some wrong stuff. I want to come back, but I don't know if you'd even let me. We got people in this room right now that gave me that speech. And every single person always got the same answer. The door is always open for you to come back in, son. The door is always open. I'm not going to chase you. Well, what will the people think about me? And they always get the same answer. If you're okay with me, it don't matter what them people in them seats think. I'm, I'm, I'm the overseer of this place. You come, in, come into my house in Eagle Landing talking about, well, well what, what does everybody think about where that brown couch ought to be? Your opinion about my brown couch don't mean a thing to me. That's my couch. That's my house. I put it where I want to. You be right with the father. There's a boy, there's a brother in here that's mad about it. We ain't got time to talk about that. There's going to be resistance. There's going to be ignorant, ignorant church family. And I can't believe the pastor just took him back in. What was I supposed to do? People come repentant. People come holy. There's always room at the table for humble people. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter how dirty you were. A little bit of soap and water clean up anything. God said, if you confess your sins, he'll forgive you of your sins. Some of you have taken God's blessing and wandered away. You ought to come back home. I am not even talking about come back to abundant life. I'm talking about come back to God. Because the longer you stay away, the worse things are going to get. I'm begging you, don't let your life go from bad to worse. Don't be one of those ones that's got to hit rock bottom before you look up. Learn from the Word of God. Just like the younger son, you ought to come to your senses today and realize, it's better when I'm right with God. 
but I had to give up my partying. God's got a party for you. But what about all my friends? God will embrace you and love you better than any person ever will. God is eternal. All the rest of this stuff is temporary. I know that if you walk toward God, he'll run toward you. Because that's what the word says. I just can't bring myself to do it. I was going to have everybody who wanted to walk toward God and get back right, come up front. I'm not going to do that. We need to get out of here. I'm not going to take time to do that. Because some people come just on the emotion of it. Some people walk up here just because they want to be seen walking up here. But the Bible says the Father sees you. Do you want to move closer to God? If you do, just tell him. Get your speech together and tell him. Tell him I've sinned, Father, and I want to come back home. I want to feel your touch again, God. I want to feel clean again, God. I want to hear your voice again, God. I want to love Christian music again, God. I want to love righteousness again, God. I want to love my family like I ought to, God. I want to be in the right position, God. I want to wear clean clothes. I want that robe and that ring. You don't have to walk this aisle to step toward God. You step toward God in your spirit and just say, God, I want to come back home. Somebody, you feel so dirty, you're worried about trying to come back home. He is not concerned with the amount of dirt that you have on you. He's just happy if you want to come back to him. So I'm begging you today, if you've been drifting, come back to God. Some of you are not in this story at all because you've never been saved. You're not one of the sons. You never made God your father. But God said that whosoever will may come. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you don't have your eternity settled yet. But the scripture says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I was going to have all the prodigals over there, and everybody wants to be saved over here. And y'all know when we do that, it just fills up. 35 people, I think, last time we did it, came to receive Christ. Nine of them ever, ever came back again. I'm not going to have you come down to this altar, but I'm going to pray with you. If you want to get saved, you just need to pray and ask God to save you, forgive you of your sins, make you a Christian. If you want to get closer to the Father... Get your feet back under your daddy's table. You just need to ask God. Let me come back, God. Pray with me. God, we love you. We thank you for being our heavenly father. Thank you, God, for always being willing to clean us up. We stray so much. We get in pig pens. We find our way into messes. And you always take us back. Thank you for never turning us away. Thank you for always hugging our neck when we come home. God, I pray that you'd hug somebody's neck today. 
I pray your compassion would fall on somebody today, God. I pray that your touch would embrace your children as they come back to you. Help us, God, not to live away from you. Help us not to be in a far country, but help us to put our feet under your table every day. God, I pray for those today who are unsaved, Lord. I pray that you would show them that your way is a better way and that you would give them faith to believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.